Hello and welcome to another episode of Last Week in Localization, uh, the show where we talk about the latest from the world of localization, whether that is uh, research, events, news, or whatever else is happening in the localization industry. My name is Sarah Hickey and I'm your host. And today I have another one of my wonderful colleagues with me, um, Valeria, um, who is a localization consultant at NIMSI and also works for Skyscanner. Um, hi, Valeria. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me here today. Yeah, I'm so excited because um, you and I, I think we have not uh, cooperated as much yet. And... Um, <laughs> But you bring a completely different side uh, to the team. And um, yeah, so it's exciting for me to, to learn from you as well. Um, so tell me, um, what are we talking about today? So today we are focusing on um, how to choose your um, language team model, basically, for, 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 your, for your business. Um, so this is... Um, this is an interesting theme, and um, it's it's not spoken about that much. Um, so it's interesting. I just want to give some um, food for thought on how uh, you you can better choose your you know what are the options out there and what are the things to think about. Um, some direction, if you want, on um, on how you can make the best choice for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, fantastic, because uh, this is again something that I don't know anything about, which is my favorite thing, um, because then I can learn from you. <laughs> um, so I already pulled up um, a recent uh, article that you wrote for NIMSI. Um, so it can be accessed on the NIMSI website under research and then NIMSI finger food. Um, we have uh, your article exactly on the topic, what language team model is right for you. Um, so I just pulled it up here. Um, maybe, yeah, we can start out here. Tell me a little bit what you wrote about here. Yeah. So actually this started from my, also my personal experience, uh, at work. So, um, I arrived, um, at a company and in this case, in particularly more sky scanner, uh, where the, there was already like a predefined, um, way of, uh, translating. So there were, uh, there was a set of, of agencies that we're using, and um, we realized that this system wasn't really working for for the company. And this, together with um, aligning the, the the strategy of of the company, um, made us think a bit. What what is it that we should really think about to uh, make sure that we can help Skyscanner reach their their goals? Right. So we started looking at. Um, what are the options out there? What is it that um, that we need uh, to make sure that we can support the business better when it comes to translating the content? And this is actually so the, the exercise that I did um, was first of all thinking about what are our priorities. So what is it that we want to achieve? Um, and this is something that you know for every business this will be different. Um, so the idea is to really sit down, uh, look at what your business wants to do and um, understanding what is it that is really important. So maybe for some companies, it might be cost control. Uh, for other companies, it might be um, more efficient workflows. Um, for other companies, it might be better quality. Um, so this is really regardless or of if you have a pre-existing 
language team setup, or if you have to build a new one completely from scratch, like the, important, the first important bit is to understand what is it that you want to achieve. And then um, based on that, see what options are, are, are out there um, and see how you can um, make it, you know, what, what is basically what you will need uh, mm -hmm. to reach your, your course. And uh, you've created a really nice overview here, yeah, with uh, where you're um, comparing uh, the different models. Maybe I'm kind of, I'm probably jumping ahead here a little bit now, um, but um, I like what you did here with having the different models on the left-hand side, and then you comparing them by cost, speed, effort, and scalability, so that, like you said already, maybe the, every company has... Um, a different focus, different things they want to achieve in a different way, and that this way they basically have um, a model. You created a model here that they can use uh, to see what works yeah. for them. Yeah, and, and and this is not really comprehensive. So this is these are just some of the possibilities that are out there. No, because if you think. Um, you know, for example, there you see you have the model of having a single agency where you have all your languages translated by one agency only, but there are cases where you would have multiple agencies, for example, in charge of mm -hmm. um, different sets of languages. So, or, or maybe you have, um, um, I don't know, instead of having linguists, you have um, like translators, you might have um, copywriters that translate, that, that create the content from scratch. So this is, yeah, like more of a, um, a base uh, for people to use and then obviously to tweak uh, and add different aspects. So for example, there you see cost, speed, effort, scalability, but um, there might be other dimensions that you know, obviously vary from business to, to business. So the, the yeah. idea is to, have, to give a tool that people can tweak and use for the, their objectives. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yeah, so uh, I know, I, I feel like I, I jumped the gun a little bit here. We should have... I, um, you know, started from scratch. Um, and actually, maybe we'll do that super quickly. And that is, I completely forgot to ask you to introduce yourself as well, uh, which I think will be very helpful. Uh, well, in general, but also for this piece, Maybe tell us a little bit, um, because the, like I said, you bring a completely different set of um, skills, a different experience to our team, you bring in the perspective of the, the um, language service buyer. Um, so maybe tell us a little bit about your um, career, uh, your responsibilities at Skyscanner, basically what uh, perspective you bring to the table and what experience you have, and then we get back into this. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I, I always worked on the client side, actually. Uh, so I started working as a translator uh, back in 2010. Um, and then uh, moved more into localization uh, project management and management. So um, I was working for some time for Badoo, uh, which is a dating app. Um, so there um, I was in charge of, um, well, localizing the copy for the product actually, but also doing uh, testing, like QA testing for the app, uh, for the apps for the website. Um, and also we had in-house um, created content tools and translation tools. So we were working with engineers um, to improve those ones um, and implement features. So that was one part. And then um, I moved to um, Vistaprint and, and there I, ha I, I had the role of localization program manager and I explored ma machine translation for the first time. So mm -hmm. uh, we machine translation there. 
And um, I've implemented a TMS for the first time uh, because obviously in Badu we already had one and it was more like adapting it to our needs. And um, for me at Vistopin was the first time where I actually was working with um, an external uh, technology provider basically and uh, implementing it uh, on, the, on the client side. And then uh, when it comes to Skyscanner, so I joined uh, two years ago and um, currently what I'm focusing on is um, the quality aspect. So I, I'm, I'm really working on that these days. But uh, when I first joined, um, I implemented a TMS there. And also uh, I reviewed the whole vendor management model. So um, that was the big, the big part. And, and um, that was the, the moment where I could really take uh, the, you know, the whole vendor management system and, and change it. Uh, in the previous companies, there was vendor management um, model in place, but I, I was working with uh, the people who were already in there. It was in, in both previous cases, uh, we had freelancers. Uh, while here in Skyscanner, we have uh, agencies, so that's, that's the only difference mm -hmm. then from previous one so so that's a bit about my career and so as you can see i touched different parts yeah, from machine translation um team management and um vendor management and now quality management and <laughs> implementation of, um pretty much everything uh when it comes to the client side uh, obviously everything around the you know working working with um with stakeholders on, on improving workflows and creating the strategy uh, together with um, you know my colleagues uh, for uh, for localization skyscanner. So that's yeah, that's a bit um, what I bring my perspective. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, you do have a lot of experience in that area then. And um, so yeah, you're perfectly suited to write about this stuff and uh, provide consulting. So walk me through this a little bit. Um, you already mentioned, you know, the different models. So you can, um, a company can just work with freelancers, in-house linguists, or with a single agency, or also, I guess, with multiple agencies. Yeah. So maybe... Yeah, I don't know. Pick your favorite and start there. Which are the different options in, in terms of like the different pro, like pros and cons or which ones are more suited to which type of company? Um, yeah. yeah, well, it's it's really hard to say which ones are suited for which company because, yeah, everybody will have different needs. Um, so um, in the table that you showed before, I, I made a, yeah, a little example of, for example, uh, comparing the different um Types, yeah, exactly. So, for example, for in-house linguists, um, obviously um, the company must have money <laughs> because it's a cost. It's a costly one, and you know, to employ people. Um, so, so obviously, there is something to think about if you if you're just a startup uh, that you know it's 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 getting to, to 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 start now, and then it's it's quite complicated to hire many people uh, just in one go. Then maybe in that case. It's a good idea to um, either so to probably look at freelancers. That is um, generally uh, the the lower, uh, like the, the less costly solution. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it really depends on yeah on, on how much the company has to spend. Uh, what are what are really the the, the objectives, right? So um, and and also so for example, say. Um, your your objective is um, 
be the most scalable as possible. So in that case, maybe you might have to look at um, agencies that can allow you to be um, more scalable because um, they will already have resources on the side. So say if you have lots of content coming all together and you have to, um, you know that your company will produce more and more and more content, then in that case, um, you, you, you cannot really hire freelancers fast mm -hmm. enough or have many people in your team that in that case, you might want to look at an agency, for example. Um, so these are some of the, um, of the use cases, if you want. But um, one important thing to remember is that you can be flexible and really mix and match stuff. Uh, so it's, it's not like either you go with one, you know, with one solution or with another. Um, and actually what I've seen the most is that companies choose what you know it's a hybrid approach so um you would have maybe um your your top for your top markets you might have uh, in-house linguists and then you might accompany that with an agency or um with freelancers uh, i've seen models where companies have 40 50 languages and they still managed to have this hybrid model because the way it worked, they um, they divided the, the responsibility of managing freelancers across the team that they have internally. So say, for example, you have a team of six people, like six language managers in-house for your top languages. Then these people would also be in charge of a number of freelancers. So that's also a way of being creative so that you don't have to uh, hire everyone in-house but at the same yeah. time you don't have to you know it's very hard as well to manage uh, for example freelancers because there is loads of um you know contracts um and you know people might leave so you have to to be hiring constantly according of the number of languages as well of course mm -hmm. and then um you know it, it it's not um job for just one person to have say 30 freelancers reporting to you so there are different ways of approaching this uh but you know, be creative and think of ways of mixing things. And but yeah, like the, the very, very first thing is really about what is it that you that you need, um, how much content you have, how much mm -hmm. money you can spend and, you know. Yeah. And um, are there any um, like common um, pitfalls maybe that you've observed in um, various companies that you've either uh, worked in or that you've dealt with? Uh, when it comes to this kind of approach where you're like, okay, people are trying to achieve this, but they always go with this and it doesn't work. Or um, have you come across anything like that? Well, maybe one thing that I come across is that um, it's very hard to abandon the vendor. So what, whatever type of, <laughs> of like, apart from in-house linguists, this is a bit different, obviously, if you have an, in, an in-house team. But um, generally, uh, companies that go for freelancers and or agencies, it's very easy to just think, okay, so they are there, they are translating, and you know, <laughs> and I think that this will um, continue this way. Um, but it's really, really important to foster the relationship and to. Um, make sure that you, you keep the communication open and that you feel that this that either freelancers or the agencies are really part of your team more of an extended version of your team mm -hmm. uh, 
they they do need you know the context that you might give them and feedback lots of feedback on not only when things go wrong but also when things go well so yeah. <laughs> find a way as well you know to 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 That's award a very good point yeah we as i think humans in general tend to uh, just give uh, negative feedback we have more uh, of an eye for the negative than uh, you know and take the positive for granted and it's like yeah it's going well i don't need to address this but yes um, you should address that <laughs> And that's normal because also as as a localization manager, you generally hear things when they're wrong, no? So someone yes. comes to you, hey, uh, this is wrong in French, and, so that, and then, oh, yeah, I need to contact the French person. And yeah, it's like, it doesn't happen often that someone reaches out and says, oh, wow, this is a brilliant translation. <laughs> I just wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it doesn't happen often. But sometimes, I don't know, I, I, I saw this, this sometimes it happens now mm -hmm. um so I don't know, obviously maybe it depends on the company as well and you know also how much you um you make sure that people are aware of you know mm -hmm. what is localization and what you do um but yeah i think it's important to to take note as well like maybe uh, maybe for example there is a translator or an agency that um you know always um does something consistently well, uh, which could be maybe uh, something small, like maybe they communicate super well, you know, maybe they always tell you on time when, yeah, like, or they ask questions um, well in advance, they ask for, for more context, uh, you see that, you know, they, they put in the extra effort, I think even that, you know, you can award and it doesn't necessarily need to be something that is uh, language related. Um, so, so finding ways to engage more with um with your vendors um that that's that is something that i saw as as a pitfall in the in the industry that generally is kind of something that gets a bit abandoned yeah i, I really like that point because yeah i think uh, this is so important feedback and well first of all it's always about you know um, good communication. I mean, if anything, this uh, this whole industry uh, is bound also by improving communication in the end, right, on different levels. And so we know the importance of uh, good communication and that goes through all levels. And also, um, and I guess we can sometimes forget about that on the pure uh, business level when we're not, you know, trying to maybe translate, interpret or localize for a client, but just on our own internal business relationships or with external people as well that communication is always key to business success i mean that's basically what the whole industry is selling but it's something to sometimes keep in mind when in our day-to-day -day operations how important that is um that is the that is the one thing and um feedback is also so so critical to to bring us uh, forward right and um yeah, it's just um, as a translator, I guess you always told us well, basically the best translation. Well, it doesn't read like a translation. It reads like yeah. the original, which is great, which is the best compliment you can get as a translator. Right. But of course, it doesn't usually invite people to come and say, hey, uh, that's a great translation, because ideally you don't want it to sound like a translation in the first place. It's kind of in disguise and um, for interpreting as well. When I did my degree, I remember um, basically told that, you know, the as an interpreter, it's basically best to almost be in, invisible in the background. And uh, if people notice you, it's usually a bad thing. You know, you just want yeah. to be on almost like the radio or something, you know. It's, so, it's, yeah, so that c can make it tough uh, in that industry to, to feel good, you know, when they only you want to be noticed when it's negative. But I mean, you know, try not to dwell on it, I guess, is the approach. Yeah, well 
Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, one thing that can also be done to to engage people more is uh, to make sure that you send out a communication about what are the things that you've been working on um, as a team that then add an impact on the business. No, so maybe That's a really good idea. Or something. So um, you can it's, it's you can set up a reminder for yourself and say every quarter, every two months, um, you have that in the calendar that you know you're gonna reach out to your to your vendors in this case because yeah for the in-house team obviously people will know um but actually now i'm thinking why not like you can even send it and you know because even when you're working within an in-house team you sometimes do things and then yeah. you don't you know i was just you, gonna you say i think internally it's also really important because things get hmm. lost you know you often you know, i don't know if that's a saying as well where you, you know the left hand doesn't necessarily know what the right hand does you know that kind of like they should yeah. but they don't necessarily maybe that's a german hmm. saying i'm not sure but anyway uh you get the idea that technically internally you feel like everyone should know about everything yeah. that's going on but more often than not i found as well that that's not really the case and you yeah. have to make that extra effort to to keep people in the loop, at least about the most important stuff, right? And yeah, like I said, internal communication uh, is really important too. So, yeah. Yeah. So that, and actually, in the in the past, I saw another thing that was working well. So as part of like regular communication, um, they, there was a, a particular company where I worked where we um, were giving out bonuses or like call it bonuses, but like um, yeah, a bit of uh, with extra money. To um, to the freelancers that were performing consistently well, so basically we would have spot checks, and then um, every I think it was spot checks every month, and then what happened was that we had like uh, you know color coded like who was uh, um, where the people were consistently doing uh, well or people who were improving, for example. So you can okay. see uh, you know this person um, wasn't working or wasn't achieving the quality level for like maybe two months, but then um, they recovered and they're doing like very well. Um, and then we would pay like a little bonus and and this would be included in the communication of like saying, hi, you know, the best translator this month was this one and the most improved translator was this other person. Um, so it's, yeah, it's also something that that's like an idea um, or if you want to make it even more personable, you can even um, add like, personal stuff or you know someone has a baby or someone got married or, or you can put a sense of community if you want and and that's important to for the people who are working with you to feel that they are achieving uh, something together with you know so it's a collaboration they're not just you know typing and sending you out the, the translation and that's yeah. it and it's also that's creating that communication as we were saying before as well yeah absolutely it sounds like actually two really good initiatives on the one hand that the little uh, bonuses for the people who are improving and then also to communicate that uh, that's basically two in one right that's uh, both really good things um, so um, that was largely now talking about uh, freelancers and also in-house linguists um, what about the relationship with um, agencies or well LSPs mm -hmm. I guess in this case then um, what are are there any um like common pitfalls there you've observed or the opposite anything uh that is going really well um just any kind of maybe advice uh, based on your own experience yeah no i think um so the same goes for for agencies as well so you know the, the communication and making sure that um the you you keep that relationship and with 
with agencies, sometimes it can be tricky because we don't have the relationship directly with the linguists. Mm -hmm. So the good thing to do is to basically recre recreate what you can do for your linguists, also for the agency. So um, having sessions with them, uh, having communication, like written communication about what you've been doing or what are your upcoming projects. Uh, because I, I also feel that sometimes with agencies in particular, we expect, I don't know, like the best quality because you know we are paying a lot of money and <laughs> we want you to know already what you you know um but not like we should be able to to give um you know all the information that are needed and to really establish some sort of partnership i think this is still missing and this is something that the industry is kind of going a bit i, I hear this more and more right we we are kind of stopping talking about vendors and moving more toward partnerships. So um, I think we should start seeing the agencies more like allies and again, like part of the team. Um, so um, fostering that relationship as much as possible. Um, like one, one, one thing that we're doing is obviously having um, the, our project managers on, on Slack and that already makes you feel like, you know, you can chat to them. You don't have to send out like email threads and, and long communication that sometimes get tiring and just long. Um, and making sure that you have um, kind of set, set meetings, maybe once a month. Uh, at the beginning, it could be even more often. Um, once a week, you know, as you're smoothing mm -hmm. a bit the processes and then you see how it goes maybe every two weeks, etc. I think it's really, really important to um, to communicate as much as possible and to give feedback and to say, you know, where things are not going well, uh, not expecting that uh, your project manager or your account manager knows what's what's wrong and, and you know, making sure that you invest in that in that relationship and, and create a proper partnership in there and sharing your goals with them. I think it really is really helpful. I think. Um, the the agency uh, can actually help you achieving your goals because they have the experience of working with other companies mm -hmm. so you can really source on that knowledge and um i, I had like the the, the the current partner we're working with um helped us put us in touch with other client side um, localization managers when we were um kind of facing the same challenges for example mm -hmm. so they can be um, really good source of connections and knowledge. So um, maybe this is an area that where you know the agencies are not really used that much, and 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 we should make sure that we we lean on that knowledge and we work together yeah. towards goals. Yeah, I really liked what you said there about actually uh, forming a real partnership um, because this is something we also highlighted in our research for the NIMSI 100 or like this is something that stood out from our research and that we then highlighted in the NIMSI 100 was that basically we're seeing increasingly that um, LSPs are going beyond um, just providing language services but are also becoming more um consultants for uh, their clients and like really becoming strategic partners for their global business. Um, 
So yeah, I really like what you're saying there, and it, and it makes sense to uh, to utilize their experience again to bring that into yours because of course they're working with other clients, they have a completely different experience, and so that you can then grow together. And I guess that's probably then one of the the biggest values also that an LSP can bring, aside from what you already mentioned, the scalability um, that they can of course handle. Um, I, I guess better than maybe if you're just working with freelancers, depending on how your setup is, but maybe this uh, would be one of in the in the plus columns for an lsp then yeah 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 definitely definitely and one one thing that i also appreciate very much when i work with lsps is the fact that um not only they their knowledge but when they are really proactive in in trying to because sometimes you don't even realize that you have a problem <laughs> in some cases they're like yeah you know you're stuck in your ways because you've been working in the company for a while and this is how it always worked mm -hmm. and whenever someone comes in um they they also look at things with different like with fresh eyes yeah and you can also suggest um improvements to your processes but also like hey why is your string like this maybe you know we can do something about this so uh, a piece of advice for for lsps is is that you know like obviously we're moving towards more consultancy mm -hmm. but really being proactive in that um making sure that it's really like working together in the same team when you are in a in a room and you are with your team and someone says hey this doesn't work well and you know feeling like you um you 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 can do that fine totally fine like it's going to be appreciated mm -hmm. feedback mm -hmm. and it's going to show that you care about what um, your client is trying to achieve and you want to work together with them so that's really really important like that proactive bit that you know showing that you care um so yeah. I, I... and i completely agree with you we can get such uh you know tunnel vision as well like i don't think that's um I think that's only normal, right? You get used to the way you do things and your team uh, does things a certain way and you uh, only get the same uh, set of eyes all the time. So it can be great when someone else comes in either with a completely different background or even not, but just a fresh perspective, whether that's uh, in this case an LSP or sometimes it's a new team member. And it's great then when that person comes in or that company comes in and says, well, you know, maybe you should look at this or why don't we try this, you know, and that can really um, bring you onto a much better path. And like you said, sometimes you don't even realize you have a problem or in other cases, you might think you have one problem, but it's really a different problem that you need to solve. Yeah. <laughs> so um, then it can help to define the challenge a bit better first. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah as well like as well when it comes to that like for example say you're putting together a business case uh for for your company and and you need some some advice on how hey if i if i suggest i do this how much time do you think this could reduce you know like kind of yeah. ask for help as well when you're creating business cases and because again they they must have helped other people doing the same mm -hmm. thing or they other people doing the same thing and they have that knowledge and also going to your client with some um, suggestions not just yeah I mean you can highlight the problem and that's it and then you can find a way to solve it together but also if you already seen that and you already say hey so I saw this being solved like this it's even better because obviously you go to your client you spot a problem and you give them a solution which is you know obviously makes um, makes the relationship so much, so much stronger there. Um, 
because uh, you're, you're really helping them to overcome issues that maybe you know they're uh, they don't have the time to even look at and um, exactly. so yeah very helpful yeah absolutely and again this is just uh, creates a whole different relationship and that's why I think we've also started to move away a little bit from the the word um, agency where it's just more you know basically a, a middleman or something almost like someone just transferring from like the, the client to the translator and back but really someone who adds value by being a, a partner for the client. Yeah, actually uh, we have started um, as Skyscanner um, using this language more and more, even when we speak to other teams, we are referring to our agency as uh, our localization partner, because mm -hmm. we really want to bring this perspective as well from, you know, to, to other teams that might think that when you speak about translation agency is again, you know, sending translation in, sending translation out. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know why, but it gives this limited vision that is that. Um, and we know that LSPs do so much more. So so it's worth um, really start to push this, this a new way of, well, new way, like um, calling, calling the, the, the vendors as partners because this is what they really are. So yeah. um, sure that, that people get into the ideas that um, that um, this, this is not just a matter of getting a translation in and out, uh, mm -hmm. but you know, much more of that insights, process improvements. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and this is also, I mean, I know now we're mostly talking about the relationship between the um basically the buyer and the provider um but you know sometimes also you know i'm a trained uh, translator and conference interpreter and in the community then you sometimes also you know hear some negative voices about like well you know what kind of value does an lsp add anyway you know they just put like more money on top of what they're paying me um and what do they really do you know and of course, aside from actually getting the client, which is also very important for the translator or the interpreter, right? Um, this is something to really keep in mind also that the LSP does not just, you know, uh, hire you and then transfer you to the client and that's it. But that there's a lot more involved uh, what they do in the middle and to be really um, like a strong partner for the client in the end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay, so um, I feel like we've discussed a lot here um, and this is really insightful for me. Is there anything uh, we've missed that you feel like we should still highlight um, or? No, the only thing again, just to make sure that um, you take the time to really think about your language model because I think that sometimes um, it's either something that you, if you if you're going into a new company, uh, th there might be already a setup and that you have inherited, and you think this is the way it is, um, and why change it? Um, but or, or you could be in a situation where you have to set up everything from scratch. But in both cases, especially in the case where you inherited already uh, a system, I think it's worth questioning it and see if um, what you need for your team to go to the next level, evaluate it, see if this is actually working for you and uh, see how the, um, the business objectives have changed over time. So if the system worked for you until yesterday, is it a system that will work for you tomorrow or, or that will take you to where the company wants to be? So um, it's important to take the time to really think about it and not to, um, to 
kind of take for granted that this is how it is and and because we've done it for, for forever we're just going to continue doing it so um yeah make, make sure that um you you look for red flags as well they might, it might be for example that you feel that you're not in control of quality for example or that your costs are spiraling out or that you suddenly are going to get so much content or that your content is going to reduce very much for some reason so also like making sure that you are um very attentive with what's going on in the in the company and and, and then you can use that to tweak your 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 team model as well because it can be tweaked in you know going it's not like something that you decide and it's going to be like this <laughs> for a long time so it's something that you can continuously reevaluate um to make sure that you're in the, in the position where you can better support your your company you know i think that's really really good advice uh for business first of all um you know that like you said like to not I feel like it's good to never get fully comfortable, you know, like we all kind of want to get comfortable and that's a, also a natural thing, but it's a good thing to, you know, always revise again to see, are you still um, on track with what you're trying to do? Have things changed? And because of that, you need to change and your system needs to change. And in general, also to always ask why, like, why are we doing something a certain way? And I think that's yeah. not just good business advice. That's also good life advice. Right? <laughs> I remember my, uh, Parents always told me to just never accept uh, that someone tells me, well, this is the way it is without asking, well, why, you know, or is okay, it is the way it is, but is that good? You know, should it be different, maybe, you know? So I think uh, sometimes the sim it's simple enough questions that can bring up um, a, a lot and potentially yeah. change and improve a lot. Yeah. And, and sometimes you need like maybe a little change. You can try and test things you don't have to say oh my god tomorrow uh, i'm going to you know fire all the freelancers <laughs> to, but, you, know, you can experiment things and see maybe uh, maybe you always had an in-house team and maybe you can start i don't know if you think that the freelancers is the way to go for you you can start with one two freelancers for your mm -hmm. top language see test the results uh, check the quality, yeah. check the time, check, you know, so uh, no drastic measures. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah. uh, step by step, baby, baby steps. Step by step, yeah, exactly. <laughs> My approach. That's really good. Um, and I know you're going to um, write a little bit more um, in a, like a similar area now. We're, we're kind of coming to the end of the, the show here now. But um, I don't know, just as a little teaser, maybe, because I know we'll have you back for that. But uh, what's up next? <laughs> um, well, one one thing that, uh, that will come out um, is about... Uh, centralizing if you want all your work in just one uh, localization partner uh, so typically the localization and localization programs have um, two pillars no the, the language part mm -hmm. and then they have technology part and generally you have um, one external vendor uh, for the technology part and then uh, internal external um, people who are going to work on the translation themselves. And sometimes you even have a third party, which is um, an, uh, an agency that only specializes on quality checking. Mm -hmm. So um, there are obviously more and more companies that are trying to bring the three of them together. Um, so the idea is to explore uh, how, you know, what are the benefits and the risks uh, of fully integrating with just one, um, one, one partner. 
Perfect. Sounds great. And that is actually another trend that we've also uh, seen in the industry for a while now. So I'm really looking forward to that and we'll definitely have you back. Um, thank you, first of all, for today. That was a really, really nice chat. It was great to have you on. Um, for the listeners and viewers out there, um, the next two weeks, I will be on a wonderful vacation in the Alps, uh, resting a little bit. Uh, but my wonderful colleague Gabriel will be here uh, to bring you uh, the latest from the world of localization. So stay tuned for that. And I'll see you after. Thank you, Sarah.